Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. Okay, we've been, we've been, we've been building up for this over the past couple of weeks. And a lot of what we've been talking about kind of culminates on today. So I want you to take as many notes as you need to. If you're not able to take the notes as we're giving out the examples and discussion and the scriptures, please just get the audio. Everything's recorded, and prayerfully, as long as nothing happens with the audio, you will be able to go back and kind of rehearse it for yourself. But let's get started. Just continuing on with the conversation. Our topical word, our topical key word is resolution. The real issue we're dealing with, though, is the fact that a lot of people find it difficult or are failing at bringing their resolution to completion. The world is full of people who voice resolutions, but they don't have the resolve to bring those resolutions to the finish line. If we were to say that a little bit different, we would say it like this. The world is full of starters, family, but it's scarce on finishers. We aim to fill that void. If you would, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8 in the King James Version. Some of this is going to be a recap, but we're going to launch off very soon. Our mantra as finishers comes from the first sentence of Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, both the King James Version and the Living Bible. King James Version reads like this, that very first sentence only. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, in the Living Bible, the first sentence reads like this. Finishing is better than starting. We combine those two sentences into a single statement. And that statement is, finishing is better than starting because I will be better at the end of the thing than I was at the beginning thereof. When you think about it, that communicates one thing in particular, that better is waiting for you at the finish line. More specifically, a better you is waiting for you at the finish, at the end of your commitment. Our mission is to set you up on a date with your better self. Say this with me. I have a date, have a date with, my better self. with my better self. Every single person in this room has a better self waiting for them in the future, and our mission is to make sure you make that date. In order to do that, though, family, we have to become what? We have to become finishers. Now, prior to last week, we discussed in detail, we're not going to discuss them today, but we discussed in detail three tools that can get you to your better you. Now, those tools basically propel you forward to the finish line. Now, if you, if, you, if you 
do them consistently and properly, they will give you motivation. They will give you insight on different things that you can do to get your resolution to be resolved once and for all. Amen. In thinking about what those tools were, we tried to make them very practical too. So, and, and we all like practical, right? Everybody likes practical. So if you want to learn about what those tools are, go back and listen to some of the audio from the past few Sundays, say over the past 30 days, and that'll get you caught up on those tools. Prayerfully, you will find that those tools are easy to apply and that they're very useful to your life. But we're not going to discuss those tools today. The fourth tool took center stage last week, and we're going to discuss that some more this week. It's a, it's a tool that we have that each and every person has at their disposal each and every day. And that tool is called, what is it? Common sense. If you would, turn to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. In the King James Version, this is the end of the scriptures we read. We really started at verse 5, but now let's just start at verse 7, just to kind of shortcut a little bit. It reads, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. We noted that the Living Bible replaces those words, get understanding, with something different. Here is the Living, Ver Living Bible's version of that same verse of scripture. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. And with your wisdom, here's the replacement. Instead of get understanding, it says, with your wisdom, develop common sense and good judgment. Now, because that scripture identifies common sense and good judgment as beneficial companions to wisdom, we concluded that common sense and good judgment are also beneficial elements in life. When we talked about it, what did we do? We said that instead of us continuing to say common sense and good judgment, we were just going to lump both of those terms into the one term, common sense. But we acknowledge that common sense and good judgment are different, which is something else that we're going to kind of dig into some more today. But for that particular point in time, we said, let's just talk about common sense. If you would, Turn to Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 54. I'll be in the Message Bible. Contrary to some assertions, common sense is not that common. It's not that common at all. As a matter of fact, common sense isn't something that just comes to you naturally with no effort. One must work at common sense, and one must work at developing it. Say this with me. Common sense, common sense. Is, learned. is learned. Now, in Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 54, this is where we left off last week. Starting in verse 54, Jesus is talking. Then he turned to the crowd when you see clouds coming in from the west, you say storms coming, and you're right. And when the wind comes out of the south, you say it's going to be a hot one, and you're right. Frauds. You know how to tell the change in the weather, so don't tell me you can't tell the change in the season, the God season we're in right now. 
You don't have to be a genius to understand these things. Just use your common sense. The kind you use if while being taken to court, you decide to settle up with your accuser on the way, knowing that if the case went to the judge, you'd probably go to jail and pay every last penny of the fine. That's the kind of decision I'm asking you to make. Now, Jesus gives us an indication here that common sense comes from experience. Common sense comes from something that you've learned. And he does so by giving us three examples. We touched on the first example last week, but before we dig back into his examples, let's now revisit this comparison between common sense and good judgment, or in a more generic sense, common sense and just judgment. When we revisited that, when we talked about it last week, we set up a scene of a circus. Do you remember that? We said that the circus gives us a lot of opportunities to just Observe common sense and judgment just going awry. Let's go back to that setting. The one that we've already discussed is that of the lion tamer. We said that common sense would tell you not to put your head in the mouth of a 400-pound man-eating beast. Yet the lion tamer does that. At that point in time, it really doesn't matter if that lion tamer has a little bit of common sense or a lot of common sense. That's bad judgment. Common sense and judgment are different. Let's take another example, though. Those acrobats that kind of do their stuff up on the high wire. Common sense, family, would tell you that it is neither safe nor intended for man or woman to elevate themselves some 50 feet above the ground and then walk from platform to platform on a small cord or maybe flip through the air going from bar to bar. That's common sense. The judgment aspect of that is this. Judgment says, should I install a net in case they fall? Good judgment says, install the net. Bad judgment does not. Common sense and judgment are different. Here's a way to look at it. Common sense is what you gain from your experience. It's learning from your experience, common sense. Judgment is what you do about it. Judgment is decision you make, it's the decision you make given the options you have. Judgment is your selector. Family judgment is your chooser. Let's look back here at Luke chapter 12, back at verse 54 in the message Bible. Now I'm gonna summarize these things and I'm gonna not dramatize it too much, but these will be my words. You won't see these exactly in the Message Bible, but it's going to go from verse 54 down through about verse 57. If you're going through that, here's what you'll see. Jesus says, basically, listen, guys, if you see evidence of rain and it rains, you're not surprised. If you walk outside in the middle of summer 
you don't see a cloud in the sky. And it is 8 a.m. and it is already as hot as an oven outside. You are not surprised if it's a hot and humid day. Neither rain nor hot in the course of a day surprises you. Why? Because you have experienced those days already. To say it a different way. When you have well-developed common sense, it allows you to be predictive. Common sense is that thing that if it's well-developed will give you the intuition that it gives you insight into the end in the beginning. That's what makes common sense such a good tool. Common sense gives you the potential to look at what the potential outcome can be right now based on your experience. There is a third example, though, he uses. Go to the next verse of scripture, please, gentlemen. Same account. And this third example really gets us to where we want to be. Here is that third example. Once again, my words. We can, we can see that someone here is being accused of something. And we can infer from the text that the person being accused is familiar with how the judicial system works. Because the person is familiar with how the judicial system works, you know, let me tell you something. Just something that popped in my head about the judicial system. I got friends and family. I'm sure you, you've seen some, you've heard some. And then this bothers me. You go to jail too much when you know each judge. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you sitting there at the reunion or you sitting there eating and, and they talking to each other and they like, so, so, so what judge you got? Oh, you got Judge Richard? You're going to be okay. Oh, you got Judge Rochelle? She don't play. I'm like, you, you, are, you are in that turnstile too much to know the tendencies of each judge. But anyway, I get off, I get off topic. But here we have a person that's accused. And by the text, we can infer that the person knows how the judicial system works. Because the person knows how it works, because they know how it works, they can already get a sense of the end in the beginning. They have the common sense because of what they learned at what could be the potential outcome right now if this goes to court. So what do they do? The text assumes that they do the good judgment act and they do something to change their situation to make sure they avoid the negative circumstance. The text assumes the individual displays some good judgment. In other words, the overwhelming amount or evidence of common sense 
kicks their judgment into self-preservation mode. Say self-preservation. Here is what the person might be thinking to himself. I don't want to go to jail. I sure enough don't want to go to jail and pay fines. That's a double no-no. Thus, I have to make changes in my situation. I have to make it. I have to make changing the situation of mine top priority. Thus, I have to make a goal. I have to make a goal that changes my circumstance because the way I'm perceiving my end right now shows me a future that is not good for me. Finishers don't set casual goals, loved ones. To a finisher, everything they look to accomplish falls in the realm of self-preservation. In their mind, the goal they have, the resolution they have, what they're looking to do is relevant to life. Thus, if they quit on their resolution, they quit on their future. The relevance of their resolution makes achieving it not an option. What they're working on is not optional because if they make it optional, then they make their future optional. The relevance of the resolution gives the person resolve to stay the course. Family, if what you claim you're working on is not relevant, if there's not enough common sense evidence in your mind to make it of necessity, it will become optional. And once that thing you're supposed to be working on becomes optional, like it or not, you will not finish. So if you want whatever it is you're looking to accomplish to get done, it has to be in your mind relevant. If what you want to get done is relevant in your mind, if what you want to get done is of necessity in your mind, if what you want to get done is needful in your mind, then family, you got to shift. Say shift. What does that mean? You have to shift your resolution from optional to required. You have to shift that goal that you're working on from optional to required. You have to shift that dream that you say you're working on from optional to required. It's not a dream that you ever going to make it to if you make it optional. It's not a resolution you're going to finish if you make it optional. It's not a goal you're going to accomplish if you make it optional. You have to shift it from optional to required. When you make that shift, then whatever it is you're working on, it becomes a future that you refuse to live without. It becomes a future that you must see. And that date with your future self becomes just as real, if not more real, than your current situation. 
Get your Bibles on Genesis 22. To reach that future state, you got to shift. You got to adjust. You got to move whatever it is you're working on to require. In all of our discussions, though, let me make one thing crystal clear. Common sense does not replace God's wisdom. Common sense is not a replacement for God's wisdom. As a side note, I want you to recall that the development of common sense comes through experience. Therefore, if you continue to have encounters with God, eventually your common sense will learn to tell you not to go against God. Once your common sense gets refined, it will develop in it an understanding that life carries with it a God factor. And common sense with God in mind, that kind of common sense aligns well with good judgment. That put that kind of stated to you, though. Keep in mind that wisdom, understanding. Not understanding, I'm going to say the right wisdom. Good judgment and common sense. Those three things, the relationship between those three things, family. Sometimes they're not as clean cut. When you're dealing with things of God. Common sense is a very good tool, but common sense is not our primary guide. God and his word are primary. God directs us. And sometimes God will ask you or me to do something that runs counter to common sense. Notice the story here of Abraham. God asked Abraham to do something that ran completely counter against common sense. Bringing it out of the message Bible. Genesis 22. Starting in verse one. God's getting ready to ask Abraham something. After all this, God tested Abraham. God said, Abraham. Yes. And Abraham answered or answered Abraham. I'm listening. He said, take your dear son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I'll point out to you. Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey. He took two of his young servants and his son Isaac. He had split wood for the burnt offering. He set out for the place God had directed him. On the third day, he looked up and saw the place in the distance. Abraham told his two young servants, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I are going to go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and gave it to Isaac, his son, to carry. He carried the flint and the knife. The two of them went off together. Isaac said said to Abraham, his father, father, yes, my son, we have flint and wood, but where's the the, the sheep for the burnt offering? Abraham said, son, God will 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 see to it that there's a sheep for the burnt offering. 
And they kept walking together, or kept on walking together. They arrived at the place to which God had directed him. Abraham built an altar. He laid out the wood. Then he tied up Isaac and laid him on the wood. Abraham reached out and took the knife to kill his son. By now, we can imagine that something inside of Abraham that we call common sense is saying, what are you doing? But remember, common sense is a learned behavior. Judgment is your chooser. And Abraham shows good judgment. He elects obedience to God over common sense. Verse 11. Just then an angel of God called to him out of heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, I'm listening. Don't lay a hand on that boy. Don't touch him. Now I know how fearlessly you fear God. You don't hesitate to place your son, your dear son, on the altar for me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. Abraham took the ram and sacrificed it as burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham named that place God Uriah, God Uriah. In other words, that says God sees to it. What a good statement to add to your common sense. It's a good statement to add to your common sense database. As long as I do my part, God will see to it that the rest gets done. As long as I'm obedient to him. Kids tripping, that's all right. God sees to it. Coworker trying to scheme against me, God sees to it. Mama want to fuss, God sees to it. God sees to it. That term, God sees to it, is something that we need to make, we need to make sure makes it inside of our well-developed common sense. Verse 14. Abraham named that place, God Uray. God sees to it. That's where we get the saying, on the mountain, God, he sees to it. The angel of God spoke from heaven a second time. Abraham I swear God's sure word, because you have gone through this and have not refused to give me your son, your dear son, I'll bless you. Oh, how I'll bless you. And I'll make sure that your son, that your children flourish like the stars in the sky, like the sand on the beaches, and your descendants will defeat their enemies. All nations on earth will find themselves blessed through your descendants because you obeyed me. Then Abraham went back to his young servants. They got the things together and returned to Beersheba. Abraham settled down in Beersheba. How did Abraham bring himself to gird himself up to push himself through that ordeal? To put his son on the altar as a sacrifice. How did he get himself to that point? Now, the Bible doesn't go through in detail any conversations he was having in his mind, but I'm a father myself. And I have to believe that somewhere in his mind, he was talking to himself as this whole thing transpired. As he's walking up that mountain. Anytime, God. 
Anytime. As he's building the altar. Anytime, God. As he's putting the wood on the altar. God, anytime you're ready. As he's strapping his son and laying his son on the wood. Father, you can show up anytime now. It wasn't until Abraham took the knife in his hand, raised it up out of obedience to God to sacrifice his son that God said, Abraham, don't touch him. Don't lay a hand on him. But the question remains, what is it about Abraham that allowed him to take his commitment to that point? What is it about Abraham that gave him confidence to see his commitment through to the end? The quick answer is faith in God. Faith in God. And that's correct. But yes, family, I I have to believe that it was a little bit more involved than that. Gentlemen, give me verse 5 of Genesis 22 back on the screen. In verse 5, you will notice that Abraham told his servants, the boy and I are going, but we are coming back. Abraham had his heart and mind settled on the end in the beginning. He was so settled on the end from the beginning that it did not matter what happened in between. He and the boy were coming back again. That is the kind of resolve we need to have when we talk about the resolutions and the goals and the things in life that we want to accomplish. He said that the boy and I are coming back again. He had his mind locked, focused on the future that nobody could convince him otherwise that that future was going to be manifested in his life. If you want to be a finisher then let your future reality become so tangible that you can touch it. Let it be so tangible that that you can see it. You can feel it. You can smell it. You can hear it. You 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 can become a part of it. Your future has to be so real to you that you can see yourself there. Your future has to be so tangent That no amount of circumstance, no amount of issue, no amount of something that goes on in between can change your mind, can move you from it. Why? Because you can already see yourself there. It should be like John spoke in Revelation 21 when he said, I see a new heaven and I see a new earth coming down from God out of heaven. Coming down. As a matter of fact, turn there. The King James Version has these words in it. 
Now I'm taking excerpts out, but it says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And then verse two, coming down from God out of heaven. We're going to actually read that in the message Bible. Excuse me. Revelation 21. Verses starting in verse one. John saw a new vision. Said better, he saw a vision of new. You need to see a vision of a new you. You need to see a vision of a new you, and that vision of a new you must be tangible enough for you to see yourself there. <laughs> Even if the new you is not actually here yet. Amen. Family, the vision that you have of yourself being there must be so real, must be so visit, vivid, must be so tangible that it gives you the resolve to want to get there. Let's pick up Revelation 21 in the Message Bible, starting in verse 1. I saw heaven and earth new created. Gone the first heaven, gone the first earth, gone the sea. I saw holy Jerusalem new created, descending resplendent out of heaven, as ready for God as a bride for her husband. I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look. Look, loved ones, that's the way your future should talk to you. Your future should be able to tell you, look, look. Look at the way we are over here. Hey, 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 look, you, you smiling over here. You healthier over here. You're more fit over here. Don't, don't look away. Look, look, look. That's your future calling you. Your relationships are better over here. You got more joy over here. Over here, over here, we are better over here. That's the way your future should call you. That's the way your resolution should call you. That's the way your goal should call you. That's the way what you want to accomplish should call you. It should be so real, it can call you from the future, and you got to answer because it's so vivid to you. That's the way that thing should work. I heard a voice of thunder from the throne. It said, look, look. When you get to that point, if it is real enough to you, you will answer yourself. Yeah, boy, I see you over there. Yeah, girl, I see you over there looking all good. Yeah, boy, I see you over there doing your thing. Yeah, girl, I see you over there, family looking right. I see you over there. If it's real enough to you, you will talk to yourself from the present into your future. When you get to that point, you've made the shift. You've made the shift and your resolution has become real, so real that you can see yourself there. All of a sudden, the challenges and obstacles in life 
pick up stiff competition. Before your goal gets real to you, before your resolution gets real to you, any old thing can lock, knock you off course. But once it becomes real, once it becomes relevant to life, once it becomes of necessity, once it becomes something that you refuse to do without, your challenges and obstacles in life, they pick up stiff competition. Am I saying that things won't happen? No. Am I saying that things won't come up? No. But because it's real to you, you keep moving. And every step that you take to see that new reality, that gives you resolve to finish. It gives you hope to keep going. Why? Because your future calling you, look, look, and you answering, yeah, I see you, I'll meet you there. Amen. Say this with me. Obstacles and challenges, Obstacles and challenges. Only, have power only have power that I give them. When you get that resolve to finish, loved ones, when you get that resolve to finish, soon obstacles and challenges that you used to deal with so frequently soon begin to fade away. They begin to fade in the background and eventually they lose their grip on you. Some of them lose their grip, why? because you just decided to outlast them. Others lose their grip because you just not paying too much attention to them anymore. Regardless of it, we don't give them any more power than they deserve. And the resolve that we've picked up all of a sudden puts them in the position to have to deal with stiff competition. I got a statement for you. And I want you to take this one to heart. I know that challenges and obstacles are out there. You'll probably never be able to do away with them completely. But that resolve gives you power to keep going. Now here's your statement. Besides, today's obstacles and challenges find it difficult to wrestle you to the ground when you're running in your future. Whatever is going on today finds it difficult to shackle you when it's messing with me today but baby girl, I'm really standing in my future. Obstacles, obstacles and challenges, they find it hard to wrestle you to the ground when you're running in your future. When your future is so real to you that you refuse to do without it. Back at verse 3. I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look. God has moved into the neighborhood making his home with men and women. They're his people. He's their God. 
verse 4 states, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone. Crying gone. Pain gone. All the first order of things gone. Family, in your future, the old you is gone. Whenever those obstacles try to come your way, when you are already living and existing and are thriving in your future, you got no problem telling them, hey, the old me, the old me gone. The way I used to talk, gone. The way I used to feel, gone. The way I used to act, gone. Hey, the way I used to fail, gone. The way I used to get tripped up, gone. The way I used to not be able to overcome, gone. The way I need not be able to be a victor, gone. The way I thought that I was subpar, gone. The way my past had a grip on me, gone. The way I thought in my own heart I would never make it, gone. In my future, there's a new me. And the old me is gone. Verse 5, though. We got to hit that one because with the old me gone, what about the new me? Verse 5 says, the enthroned continued, look, I'm making everything new. Write it all down, each word, dependable and accurate. Family, in my future, everything about me is new. When I make that resolution to change my life in a particular area, I'm going to see it finished because when that resolution is finished, that aspect in my life is going to be completely new. Everything about it is going to be new. If you want to be new, raise your hand for me. Then what you got to do is make sure whatever aspect is to be new needs to become required, not optional. We want the image of the new you to be so real in your mind and in your spirit that you can reach out from today and touch yourself there. You have a date with your better self. And we want to see that you make it. You have a date with a better you and everything that we've been teaching to date has one particular focus and that is to get you to make that date with the better you incorporating today's discussion we can now let you know that there are five things that all finishers do and here they are please write them down once again, if not, they'll be on the audio. Five things that finishers do. One, they set relevant goals. Two, 
They develop common sense and good judgment. Three, they project the end in the beginning. Four, they view finishing as required, not optional. And five, they see themselves in their future vividly. One more time, one through five. Finishers set relevant goals. They develop common sense and good judgment. They project the end in the beginning. They view finishing as required, not optional. And they see themselves in their future vividly. All that being said, the only thing left to do is for y'all to come back next week for more dis more of the discussion. Let's pray. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.